It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello, my name is Jonathan Sanborn. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. Really appreciate that. And I, I just love have the opportunity with Counterculture. We highlight the the bridge builders, the people who are building bridges between maybe two groups that are opposed, or maybe those building bridges and helping us to be more compassionate. And finding those bridge builders who are really building up culture. I think the way of Jesus really challenges us to be not always just go with the flow of culture, which is so divided and so it can be often be so selfish. Uh, counterculture pushes us in the way of Jesus that really pushes us back to be more compassionate, more of a peacemaker, and really to lift up what's good and beautiful in our culture. So, And I get to find these people all over the country and highlight them. And so today I have in studio not one but two. I got a bonus person in studio today. It's like two for the price of one. I have Brian Bell. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. And Greg Greer. Hello. Thank you guys for going. Brian and Greg are from Johnny and Friends. Uh, Brian is the senior area director. Is that right? And Greg, you are the regional director? Correct. Okay. See, make sure I get this right. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you again. This is – so you are – Brian, you are born and raised in Oregon, and you went to the U of A. So you have have some roots here, don't you? Bear bear down. Bear down. Is that wait? Is that wait? Is that's Oregon though, right? Well, you know, I grew up in Oregon. Went to the University of Arizona down there in Tucson. Oh, badass. Okay. <laughs> so I, we, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sun devil, and devils are from Christ, right? No, wait, no, I've got to fix it. My <laughs> theology's all messed up. No, I know. Wildcats, thank you. We welcome all universities. We're not non-judgmental. Uh, Brian accepted Christ in, through Young Life, great, great ministry, local church, and grand, prayerful grandparents back in his high school days. Usually people go wild in high school, but Young Life comes in to those times and make and, and shares and witnesses for Christ. And married for, is this right? It might, it's not a typo. 31 years? Yep. To the from, same woman? The same woman. Not total. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, and has seven kids. Amazing. Uh, his back, Brian's background, he was in the, um, was a Marine for t- over 20 years, right? Okay. And I look, ask some questions about that. Uh, a, a teacher and a coach, small business owner, and now is with Johnny and Friends. Boy, we have, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So, but before we get into that, we like to play fake news. And so, Greg, I'm going to put you on the spot too. Oh, no. Okay. You ready? Okay. Just be ready. So I want to do... We, as we play, fake news means you say something true and not true about yourself, and I try to guess which one's fake. Okay? Ready and go, bro. Um, all of my wife's ch- – or yeah, all my wife's children. All your wives. All my, wi- all my wife's children are from her first marriage. Okay. And I love chocolate. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say – well, because you you said all, all, you've been married to one gal for thirty one, and so I would say that's true. So, and you do not love chocolate is fake news. That's fake news. <laughs> ah, I guessed it. Okay, I'm not bad. I'm I, I'm starting to get my confidence up again. Okay, what about you, Greg? Let's see. I sold books door to door in South Georgia in college. I've heard. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. And I played college basketball. 
So Greg's pretty good size, and but b- the book the book thing. I actually had roommates in college who did just that, and so I'm going to say that's true. And you did not play college basketball. You're correct. Whoa, I can't believe it. But he did play college football. You did play college football. So yeah, I, yeah, I, you had the more of the football player build. You put me on the spot. You gave me about thirty seconds. <laughs> I know I did. Hey, we got to keep keep you on your toes. You're but you're in it to win it here. 110 percent. That's great. So, um, so I've used, I've been on a bad streak for fake news. So I'm you're building my confidence. So I really appreciate you guys being here to make me feel better about myself. So you know, Brian, go, let's go back to your time in the Marines. Okay. Just tell, tell, what was that? Just a quick like, not too many. I haven't had too many yeah. Marines in here. So. Um, what was it like? Um, as a Christian, even. As a Christian. So I tell the story all the time. When I, my wife and I, we were newlyweds. I, I felt called to serve in the military. We prayed through. We had some great people in our small groups praying through it. And we just really felt God leading us to go into the military, kind of as missionaries. Yes. And, and as I was going into the Marine Corps in 1991, I thought I might be the only Christian in the Marine Corps. Wow. Every, right. Everybody I meet, it's like, you know, They've got tattoos and they're talking about blowing things up and 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 I got done a boot camp in San Diego uh-huh. and we're down there the first Sunday and the drill instructor lines up the platoon and he says okay boys uh, everybody's going to church this morning if you're a Protestant get over in this line if you're a Catholic you get in this line if mm-hmm. you're Jewish or something else get over in this line and I thought man I th- I think this is some kind of euphemism he's he's messing with us yeah um, right. And so I go and get in the, the Protestant line and they take us outside and they march us to this enormous chapel there at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot in San Diego. And I go inside and there's this sea of shaved heads <laughs> and up on the stage is a chaplain with a guitar and he's leading worship music. Wow. And I thought, whoa, uh, <laughs> this is like first week of Marine Corps boot camp and everything else has been really uh, different. This yeah, is, different. This things. is something familiar. Yeah. Yes. And – Worship music. The past. The, the chaplain gives a message from God's word, and then at the end gives an invitation. And I see just droves of young men coming forward to accept Christ. Oh my goodness! And, and it was then when it hit me. I was like, okay, I'm I'm not the only Christian in this no, organization. No. Yeah. And and God is uh, God is on the move in the Marine Corps, and and that was my experience over 21 years. We we ministered to lots of individuals and families. Um, but the Marine Corps was a very spiritual organization, which mm. which I don't think people who are outside of it recognize. Right? So, no, so was, you have just the guns and <clears throat> yes. So there's hoorah, that side of it, raw stuff. And yeah. then there was the the really hard side, and we may get into it later on. I want I don't want to make this about my story, but yeah, there was also uh, some hard combat stuff. Second half of my military career that led to PTS and some other things. So so you were a combat medic. No, a combat marine. Combat, yeah, combat marine. You were in combat. In combat, yes, and a couple tours in Iraq. Okay, um, towards the end of the career. So when you're saying, what was it like? It was great. It was rewarding. It was ministry, and it was also really hard. And, and sure, part of part of our story, really, my wife and I, our story on the back end too. So you came back. So I guess you retired from the Marines. That you yeah. had a career and then retired. Yeah, I retired 2012. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, for, I think in military, I think 20 years is a, considered a career yeah. and then you retire. Oh, OK. So you have some background. Actually, just, I'd love to hear just a little bit what, about the PTS. Tell me what that, what that experience was for you. Um, so um, I had a, a lot of childhood trauma mm-hmm. and, and psychologists will tell you that if you have a lot of childhood adverse childhood events that you're predisposed to a lot of mental health issues, which I didn't know any of these things going, right. in, going in the military. Um, 
during uh, the global war on terror. I mean, really, the, the first 10 years I was in the, in the Marine Corps, we had a lot of s- small things that we were involved in. Right. The last 10 years I was in the military, it was combat operations nonstop, and we still have men and women fighting in Afghanistan today. Yes. Um, so for those 10 years, uh, did two deployments to Iraq and – those were during some really difficult times. It, insurgency was um, on the rise. I had a lot of close close friends who mm. um, died um, over there, uh, to include a, a man from my own unit um, who I knew him, knew him well, knew his family, um, and then and then a, a mentor and friend who who took his life over there. Um, oh, so so those things. I didn't realize I, I was I was carrying around a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. and and I had all of the classic symptoms of somebody struggling with PTS. I just didn't, as a Christian and as a Marine officer, you you weren't allowed to show that stuff to people. Yes. It, it's not so you you keep it in the box. You know, I, I, I joke with friends that kind of like a high functioning alcoholic. I was a high functioning person struggling with PTS. Yeah, um, until. Probably from 07 to about 2017. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. And then really found hope and healing, <laughs> even though I'd been a Christian all that time. Right. Really found hope and healing in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and on the other side, now, when I have opportunities to share that with other men and women that are struggling. Being being wound, wounded that way, we, being a Christian doesn't remove you from the ability, you know, from serious trauma and hardship. Sure at all and yet that was part of your story like god brought you that and yet how do you feel that shaped maybe some of your like life decisions in terms of like yeah. or your like what you can you changes you yeah so i think the biggest takeaway for me as i look at on the other side of all that has made me a more compassionate person mm-hmm. um, and to see that we are all that we all struggle on on this path yeah uh, at different seasons in our life and has has made me more compassionate for people that are struggling mm-hmm. uh, with whatever they're struggling with. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes if if we're not careful, we can create an environment where people don't feel like they can be honest about their struggles because everybody else pretends like they have it together. Right. Or uh, quick answers, quick solutions. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hey, you, you just need to pray more. Yeah. You just need to trust uh, the Lord. You trust the Lord. Here's a book. Why don't you read this book and everything will be fine. Right. And, and so then if you're still struggling after you prayed and you're still struggling after you read that book, there must be something wrong with me. I'm, you know, maybe God doesn't love me the same way He loves everybody else. Right. So, so learning through that process, mm. getting healed through that process, and then now seeing other people that are struggling, saying, "Okay, I can, I can be more compassionate now because mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get some of those." Having done this show for about a year and talking with different people who are involved in compassionate ministry, there's often a wounding. Mm. That happens before they enter into real, like, yeah. like when God, before God brings them into a position of real com, of change and influence, has and since they have a, a wound themselves, mm-hmm. and it's from that pain that we can we often become the best f- forms of healing to others yeah. because of God's brought in, like you said, compassion, yeah. not just sympathy. Yeah, like oh, that's too bad. Here's some here's a, here's the fix, yeah. but like you, it's without any judgment. You're it's compassion. Your heart's right with them. In fact, Johnny has a quote that's quite famous where she says that God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. 
I love that. Oh my goodness. So with that, this transitions well because I, I want not everyone knows. I mean, I grew up. I saw the Johnny movie <laughs> in the seventies. I grew up knowing who Johnny Erickson was, but not. Let's just assume not everyone listening knows. So we just just a quick introduction to who she is, and then why this ministry exists. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata was involved in a diving accident as a young girl, and it left her paralyzed. And out of her wounding, <laughs> God got all of her heart mm-hmm. and uh, gave her a story. Mm-hmm. And the story, just like Greg said, is that sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Mm-hmm. And in the early years of her life and her her really rededicating her life and understanding how God um, could give her some purpose. Where is purpose and meaning in our suffering? Mm-hmm. And and then having her moment with God saying, God, if this is your purpose, you're going to have to show me the why. Right. You're going to have to show me why you allowed this. And and out of that has grown a 40-year ministry serving individuals and families who are living with disabilities, both domestically here in the United States and internationally mm-hmm. um, as well. And so under that umbrella of the Johnny and Friends uh, Disability Ministry, we do a whole range of programs that are designed to to reach the lost and share the gospel with them and bring them into God's house and then to equip the church our church God's church yeah. his bride to be inclusive and loving and and ready to evangelize and disciple and place people with disabilities into a visible role of service so that's a big vision. That's just that's not a sentimental. Let's give some nice things to people who are handicapped. <laughs> that's a really big full vision that's a very mature vision that's I, I love hearing that so and if you're just tuning in that you're listening to counterculture with jonathan sanborn we have in studio brian bell and greg greer from johnny and friends and a fantastic conversation about um well, this this ministry who's understands i mean um, rooted in brokenness to minister so much more effectively and holistically to the broken uh, in the sense that, that the world, uh, they've been given a lot of hardship in life, and yet you've, you're stepping into that place. So, what are some like key initiatives? Like, just you mentioned a few like concepts, but like maybe two or three things that yeah. the people when that you do. Yeah. So, um, I, I think it's important for people to understand that one in seven people in our country are living with a disability. One in seven. One in seven, and and this is this are data that's been collected and verified by by the government is not not a number we come up with. It's right. so one in seven one in seven Americans are living with a disability. Oh it's my the goodness. Largest unreached people group. Okay. You know, for the church, mm. this is the largest unreached people group in the world. Yeah. Um so we don't have to send our missionaries overseas and that's admirable work. There's there's work right here. Sure. There are people right here in the shadows, um wounded, broken, hurting, isolated. Mm-hmm. Um that are w- w- desperate mm. for the hope that can be found in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, what does that look like for us as a ministry? Um, one of the one of the n- initiatives that we have we we do a, a monthly respite program where a family, the families, you know, during this COVID season, these families they already live under the heaviness of having a child with a disability, mm-hmm. and then you add in the isolation and the lack of. Services, school opportunities that they had yes. previously. Yeah. Now, now, mom or mom and dad are home all day, every day with with their children, no break. Mm-hmm. So we, we par, um, piloted a respite program. We asked we asked a lot of people in the community, "Hey, what's the greatest unmet need?" And they said, "Respite, 
respite. respite. It's, it's, we just need it. We need a break. We need to be able to drop off our children somewhere and just have a break. And mm-hmm. so we we create a, a halftime respite program once a month. Uh, families can come. They can drop off all their kids, whether your child has a disability or it's their siblings. Drop them off the Ability Three Hundred and Sixty Center with with uh, we've got a trained team of volunteers, nurses, folks from local. Ch- all of our volunteers are people from churches here in the right. community, um, and they get rest they leave their kids wow. so for us the kids we, we do recreation with them run them around get their wiggles out we feed them we do some some bible time with them so mm. then three hours later when a parent comes to pick them up they're, they're they're tired their bellies are full and they got a little bit of jesus and and it's an outreach we lots of these families that come are, are unchurched don't know christ but for the parents they say you, you're going to give me three hours of rest yes yes how, how, <laughs> how do i do this <laughs> right and then and then they'll on the back end usually say well, why are you guys doing this yeah um and and our program manager show shares them well because god asked us to and because we love you yeah um so so we, that's how we're kind of reaching out yes one way we're reaching out to try and invite people to come and see christ and then in turn we can hand them off to Christ honoring mm. churches that then can evangelize disciple love on these homes yeah. and families. So that's that's one thing we that's do. That's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, here it's been a, a great thing. Um and now we're training churches how to do the same thing on their campuses. And that's our our vision is that that respite would grow across the valley and across the state mm. mm-hmm. so that these these families that have this deep heavy need have they can go to the church that the church can be the mm-hmm. hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Um to meet this unmet need. So that's that's one thing we do. We do family retreats and camps where yeah. it's like a five-day camp where the, the family can come. Uh, we take them up to a Bison Ranch Retreat Center up north uh, in the cooler weather in the summertime. Five-day r- retreat where somebody's partnered with the kids. They've, they've got a buddy. The, the, the siblings have buddies. Mom and dad get a break. There's some spiritual renewal or refreshment. And right. It's great speakers, horseback riding, fishing, all the camp things that, that a family – who has a child with a disability and never they never get to participate get to in those do. types of things. So and it's all geared towards disability, like at, at yes. full understanding. Yes. Yeah, very, yep. wow. Everybody's, everybody's trained in trained in the theology of disability and and disability etiquette. All those, all those things. We do those things. We do a program for warriors that that uh, at the end of the May we take um, warrior families that are that are struggling with PTS that are combat veterans. Yeah, uh, we take them up and do a, a similar camp. Um, where they get some rest and refreshment, but we bring in some um, speakers and pastors that have some experience in honor and shame and those wow. types of things. So, so we do, do work with the families. We do work with warriors. We do work with individuals. We're we're got an initiative we're working on with Phoenix Children's Hospital to take oh. um, hope baskets to newly injured and newly diagnosed. Um, individuals and families with disability. And then the last thing I've been doing some work with um, the adaptive sports. Um, programs here in Arizona. I don't know. Tell me what that means. So adaptive sports, um, what it looks like is uh, an example. They have sled hockey, so ice hockey. Yeah. But these are these are men and women who um, are in a wheelchair. And yeah. so th- they put them in sleds. The The Phoenix Coyotes sponsor this program and they get out there and they do ice hockey. Wow. And so for us as a ministry, we've been saying, okay, God, where are – rather than building it and waiting for people to come to us, right. go, going to where, where are people – Yes. Who are living with disabilities that maybe are outside the church and engaging with them there. And so that's one of the things we've been what doing. What a great partnership yes. with, the, with the Coyotes. That's a, that's a fantastic concept. So that's what we do domestically and then internationally. The Johnny and Friends has been 
uh, a startup program, Johnny Houses. I'll let Greg talk more about that. And then we take wheelchairs and the gospel around the world. So for Arizona, we, we partner with the country of Uganda and okay. are investing resources and, and time in Uganda. Greg, you want to talk about Johnny House? I can, yeah. I mean, we have we have 19 area ministry offices across the country, and most of them have a country that they serve. Oh, okay. And so they'll do wheelchair outreaches in those countries. But the Johnny's House is a new concept to where, you know, when you go to a country, there's so many needs in that country. I mean, if you have a disability mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a developing nation, uh, you are in a really bad place. Yes. You can't get a wheelchair, and you can't get medical services. You can't get job training. You can't get much of anything. So the Johnny's House is really this all-encompassing, holistic approach in a country to say not only we're going to serve you with a wheelchair, mm-hmm. we're going to help you with job training, we're going to help you with your medical needs, and yeah. so we, we wow. want the, we want to set these country leaders up to be able to run that autonomously, so they can run it. Wow! So it's really a terrific concept to just provide more than just a wheelchair. Because we always say wheelchair is a bridge to the gospel. Yeah. So imagine what is medical care and a wheelchair and food Huge. services and job yes. training. What a great yeah. way for the church to be incarnational and just be where the people are. And, and that's, I think, what Christ has called us to do. I've traveled enough and seen some, you know, firsthand some some things in, with around uh, ministries to, dis, to the disabled or just the reality of like kid, they're, they're begging on the streets. Mm-hmm. And that, or they're in, they're in rags, and and just, and and perhaps society does. There are, they're not the resources, or there's not even a mentality to care. It's it's un, it's so sad. I mean, we we had a distribution in Guatemala my first year with Johnny and friends, and there was a 15 year old girl that received her first wheelchair. She had, she was carried in on a blanket. She was 15 years old, and she 15 never years old. had a wheelchair. Oh my goodness! And that's unfortunately that's more common than not. Yeah. That I mean, the reality of what that meant, like crawling on the dirt and bathrooms, cleaning, everything that that means, because we just oh, so but that's like life. That's so life giving, absolutely incredible. What is something in America that we get wrong about disability? I think at the macro level, mm-hmm. um, when when the, when the Teacher of the law asked Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jesus yes. shared, shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yes, I think that's where we get it wrong. Is okay. that is that far too often we might see people in need, um, but either we don't have compassion or we don't go to them mm-hmm. and serve them. Um, and I, and I think I see that a lot in the disability community as people are uncomfortable. Yeah, and so they see they maybe they see a family with a child. And they're they're not sure what to do, so it's easier just to look the other way, just and and keep on moving down right. down the highway, um, rather than saying, "Hey, I see you. I have compassion. How can I help?" And same with the individual with a disability. So I think that's uh, the cool part. Greg and I were talking about this morning is that I, the younger generation gets it. Yeah, the younger yeah. generation gets it. So mm-hmm. I think, and it's and it's all of us. It's all of us, whether it's a person with a disability or a socioethnic issue, is just the words of Christ ringing in my ears all the time. Is who's your neighbor, Brian? Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? And then, do you see them? Do you have compassion? Are you going to them and doing something about their situation? And, and I think there's the why behind that mm-hmm. is you know, that mm-hmm. folks with dis- living with disability are image bearers, just like you and yes. I. Yes. Yeah. And so I think sometimes the church, we miss out on that, and we miss out on the fact that I believe when we read 1 Corinthians and we read about all the gifts that God gives to his, his children, uh, those living with disability have a great contributions to make to the local church. Yes. 
And so really a church body that does not include yeah. people living with disabilities in active ministry is actually a disabled body. Right. Wow. I, I, the organization I was with happened – one of our directors is blind. And I'm, she was teaching us yesterday. I was in Kansas City and she was teaching us yesterday. And I'm like, I love that this is – she has so much to give me and I can learn from her. And I think it just normalizes that these, ultimately these bodies are not our home. Yet God's spirit is within every person. His, his, his image is in every person, and his spirit can work through any person for amazing things. Yes. Yeah. And there's purpose. There's purpose. purpose in the disability. And yeah. We were talking to a ministry that we partner with, and uh, they wanted to reach out to us because they said that Johnny and Friends is one of the few organizations that recognizes that suffering has purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, most organizations want to alleviate the suffering. Right. Uh, but we recognize that you know, God, has, God has given you this for whatever time and season yes. for a purpose. So this has been a great conversation. So I think this has gone so fast. <laughs> what? Um, how can some someone, one of our listeners, get more involved or learn more about Johnny and Friends? Yeah. So, so the, the best way is to Google Johnny and Friends. J O N I J O N I A N D F R I E N D S Arizona dot O R G. Go on or just Google Johnny and Friends Arizona. That'll pull up our webpage, all of our contact information. Um, we'd love to, you know, come and see, come and see, come and see respite, come and see what we do, or we'll come to you. Churches, man, if there's people, people on this program, think about the church you go to. Does your church have a vibrant disability ministry? Is it inclusive? If it's not, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, reach out to Johnny friends. We'll come help. We'll come help. You're great experts who not only understand really God's heart and intent behind this. This has been a great conversation, Brian, Greg. This is thank you for coming to studio. Appreciate you. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you again. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.